Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Am I Big? Or Am I Little? And joining me from Nebraska is the author, Eileen Simonson. Thank you for joining me today. Glad to be here. Well, you're a retired teacher, so you're used to speaking in front of lots of little kids and people, and I'm I'm like a big kid. So this uh, book, okay. this We're this good. Yeah, this <laughs> book entire, uh, at least in its in initial look, is uh, something that is directed towards children. Since you have 34 years of uh, teaching experience, that certainly would yeah. be incorporated into the into your background, yeah. and also the desire mm-hmm. to to be instructive and teach children things. This book, yeah. how did it come about? Well, I was babysitting for my first granddaughter to help out my daughter. Um, this is 12 years ago now. And after like two and a half years, she looked at me one day and she asked me, what am I? Am I a big or am I little? Because when you think about it, a lot of times they do things and you say, oh, you're such a big girl, and, mm-hmm. and then other times they want to try something and say, no, 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 you can't do that yet. You're, you're not big enough. So she <laughs> really inspired me, and every little incident in the book is based on something that happened with my first granddaughter. So it's a fun book to well, it's 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 a very uh, simple and um, I think a common thought. You know, we we yeah. as parents and grandparents don't think of uh, how a child looks at at life. You have uh, shared it in a very simple way. I don't know if there's another book that really has been that practical. I think it's a practical book. What do you think? What is what is the response you're getting from children and and grandparents? I have had. Fabulous response. Uh, I've sold about 600 books on my own over the years, and I get so many responses saying, my child wants me to read that again and again and again. And to me, that's the best review anybody can give you. Absolutely. As an author for children, that definitely would be a commendation I'd want to hear. You have some great illustrations in here. Was it difficult? I, I, by looking at the text, I don't think that the the illustrations would have been difficult to convey to the illustrator. Uh, was that a, a laborious process, or was it one that came together rather quickly? It was a little laborious because I had to make my intentions known to the illustrator, but they were very good to work with me. So when they presented their illustration and I wasn't happy with it, I could just explain to them how I want it changed, and they were very good to accommodate. So it took a little while, yes. It was a little laborious, but it came out. I thought it turned out excellently. I liked what they did. They're very colorful, and as a child at heart, I, I like looking at the illustrations and the color. You've named your character Violet. Is that uh, any particular nod to a grandchild, or is this just a name that you felt would work well with the illustrations and the storyline? Mostly the latter. It was just a name that I thought would work. Um, my It was not my granddaughter's name. So it's just that I like it. And I have even had some people who have read the book to their children, and it was really cute. 
the response was the little girl decided that from now on her name was going to be Violet. Really? So when people would ask her what is this she'd say, my name is Violet. Wow. But see, that's what happens when they kept asking to read the same book over and over, because they just kind of related to it. And like, hmm. I thought that was one of the best. She said yes. her daughter introduced herself as, my name is Violet. Beautiful. But, Beautiful. Well, they definitely are identifying with it. The teaching career that you had, was it to children, uh, very young children, or was it uh, middle school? Yeah. What what uh, what age did you no, focus with? it was preschool, kindergarten, and first grade, so definitely young children, and I read many, many books to the children over the years, and I taught many, many children to read, and I always want them to love reading, so part of my goal with this book was to make it something that children would relate to and would love to read again and again and I feel like I was pretty successful with that when I get the responses from people and actually on Amazon there are 16 reviews and they are all very positive they make me feel really good and they're like five stars so I'm, I'm very happy with the results. Your book uh, definitely was geared to deal with true life situations. Uh, was that, I, I know it was purposeful, but was that the most rewarding, the, the feedback you're getting? Oh, yes, very rewarding. And now that granddaughter that inspired it is 12 years old. And she still loves to share that book with her friends. And, and you know, we still share it with family members and it's it's been very rewarding i mean i may not make a million dollars on this book but it's been very rewarding just with the comments and the feedback and knowing that so many children parents and grandparents have enjoyed it and continue to enjoy it so it's very rewarding eileen how long did it take to do and complete the storyline itself and then how long did it take to get it published well, it didn't take me very long to do the storyline. I mean, I accumulated the experience over the first, you know, couple of years of the little granddaughter's life, but I had those set in my brain. So when I sat down and wrote it out, it didn't really take me very long. But once I contacted the self-publisher, Ex Libris, and started the process, it took like six months. Mm. Okay, not not a horrible long, not a an incredible no, long no. time to finish. Correct. The, so the longest part was going back and forth, as we spoke of earlier, with the illustrations. Right. Because you know they would send something, and it wasn't what I had in mind. So I would, you know, send it back and say, "Try this," or you know, "Add this color," or "Take this away." But as I said too, they were really cooperative, and it turned out. I thought they did a really good job. Uh, besides being a school teacher and now a first-time author in the children's arena, is this uh, something that you had uh, in the back of your mind as a desire to do for quite some time, or was it something that came because uh, you wanted something to do since you decided to retire? <laughs> you know, I think it has been in the back of my mind for a long time. As I would read these children's books over the 30 years of teaching, I would say to myself, I would really like to write children's books. You know, sometimes I would pick a book and read it to the children and think, hmm, you know, I think I think I could do better than that. <laughs> and other times, you know, you'd be really inspired by one, and I just thought, yes, I would like to do that. So it was something in the back of my mind, and when I had time in my retirement, and especially 
when my first granddaughter inspired me with this idea, I thought, yes, I'm going to write this book. So I did. Well, beautiful. I'm sure because of your creative imagination, your history with children, and the fact that you do have children, grandchildren, uh, there are other stories that may come out in the future. Have you been working on anything, or has anything else been published? Well, I can tell you that I did have a second granddaughter a couple years later. So when she got to be in second grade, I think it was, I asked her, what would you like to write about? And she gave the answer immediately. She goes, I really don't like being the little sister. Mm-hmm. So um, we did write a book together. And her book was called, I Wish I Were the Big Sister. Wow. And what I had learned from the first book was that the illustrations were the most challenging part. Well, this little granddaughter named Kate loved to draw. So I said, Kate, why don't you draw the illustrations? And so together we did do the illustrations. So that one went together a lot faster because um, I could just, presents the illustrations and the text, and then they published it, and it only took, you know, a couple of months. It went pretty fast. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm sure she's uh, very proud of that. Has she been sharing that with her friends in the neighborhood? I'm guessing yes. Oh, yes. And her school. (laughs) We've taken it to libraries, and sometimes she reads, most of the time she reads it herself, which goes over very well. Wonderful. And then she sits, they both sit and do book signings, and it's been such a rewarding experience for all of us. So, What are your long, long-range uh, goals? Uh, are there other books in the future besides the two that you've already published? Well, I can tell you I have another granddaughter who's one and a half, so mm. I'm waiting for the inspiration. <laughs> the pressure is on. <laughs> so you have to have so. you have to have grandkids and and have uh, them pressure you into writing. That's uh, sort of a good <laughs> well, thing and a bad thing at the same time. Part of it. <laughs> when you start, the pressure is on. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you've done a wonderful job on this. This really is a read for uh, you know preschoolers and uh, maybe first, second, third grade children. They would enjoy this or enjoy reading it to their younger siblings for sure. And although it does feature a girl in the book. I'm sure little boys would relate to the story of I am I big or am I little? It deals with a universal thought and a problem that children are faced with trying to unscramble the different messages they're getting from their parents and older people. I, I love the fact that it deals with something so practical. Uh, have uh, little boys been reading this as well? Have they had any response or is it primarily girls? Oh, no, absolutely. Um, if you read the reviews on Amazon, one of them does say, you know, I have little boys, but they love this book, too. Or they might say, I have a daycare, and I'm sure that includes boys, too. And so, you know, they can relate. They can relate. Beautiful. Even though the character, you know, is the little girl that looks much like my granddaughter. But, um, no, but little boys do relate to it. Very good. A book I would recommend to grandparents and uh, parents of young children. This book, I know, would answer a lot of questions in their mind and probably straighten out some conversations you've had with them. The title again is, Am I Big or Am I Little? My author, Eileen Simonson, who has joined me from Nebraska. Where can they get copies of this, Eileen? They can get it on Amazon. 
Amazon, all right, and uh, they can also and request it. You can it. also order it through Barnes and Noble, but you have to order it. They don't have it on the shelf, but they will order it for you. Very good. And their local bookseller also can can do a search and maybe find it sure. under Eileen, mm-hmm. S-I-M-O-N-S-E-N, Simonson. And uh, if they do a search under your name, they'll find this book, uh, the one that you've also released about being the yep. second child, and uh, whatever comes out in, out in the future. Best of luck on your writing career and uh, your retirement, which I don't think is going to be one where you're sitting around doing nothing. I think this is a wonderful way to enjoy retirement, being productive and sharing your history and your talent with uh, with the world. Thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. Thank you very much. And I've enjoyed talking to you. Thank you very much. My pleasure for Ex Libris on air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com that's s-c-o-t-t at t-o-g-i-n-e-t r-a-d-i-o dot com Welcome back to Ex Libris for Ex Libris on Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Jack Spartan, Verace Runner. And joining me from Denver, Colorado, is the author of this extensive novel of over 600 pages, is author K. Edward Mallory. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. Yes, thank you. Ed, this is uh, 600 and some pages. That's a pretty ambitious read. You have a background in the aviation industry and in things technical. Would that be the motivation for you getting into the sci-fi area? Yeah, well, there's there's some varying factors involved with that. Um, I, I tried to write into uh, with areas that I was familiar with, which is uh, technology and aviation. Uh, and uh, But the kind of the main reason that I got into it is I, I enjoyed science fiction quite a bit as a youth. Um, but as I matured, the real life and real technology that I got involved with, with was a lot more interesting and a lot more in-depth than what they were offering in the, the average sci-fi uh, genre. Um, but now that I'm retired, uh, I thought that maybe there would be some other people out there, because there's a lot of people in the technology uh, uh, industries out there that might still like sci-fi, but uh, were, was kind of in the same situation that I was, and that it just wasn't technical enough or, or, uh, or accurate enough, so uh, I, could, I tried to write a novel that they might be interested in. And Jack Spartan, I'm assuming, is your main character, correct? That, that's correct, yes. And what is a Verace runner? What does what that uh, title, what does that entail? 
Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to decipher, but once you get into the book, you'll understand it. Um, Jack Spartan is a an, is a NASA astronaut, and he's in the new space shuttle program. Um, and essentially, what happens is uh, his ship is hit by another alien ship, or, or by an alien ship, and um, he becomes uh, a captured by the uh, alien civilization that's uh, basically running a. Um, I guess you'd call it a, a cargo operation between another planet. Um, and so they think that he's a stowaway, and um, they think that he is another type of uh, alien out there called Varachis or Varans from the planet Vara. Hmm. And so in order in order for him to uh, basically survive this scenario, he kind of has to go along with that and become, uh, in, at least in their eyes, a uh, Varachi runner or, or smuggler. And uh, that's kind of kind of what the basic scenario is. That's a synopsis takes, of, takes, of the basics. Yes, correct. And the book itself, uh, Future Tense, how far in the future is this set, this uh, this setting? It's contemporary. It's, it's essentially it's happening right now. It's based on the assumption that uh, we now have a new space shuttle program intact. So it, it, it could be right now or it could be two to three years in the, in the future. So I tried to relate it to our, our current time so that it wasn't, you know, in a galaxy far, far away or a right. long time ago or something to that effect. Uh, the contents of your book, uh, does it take place on Earth as well as in uh, other areas of space? Um, it starts initially uh, on Earth where the accident occurs, where he uh, becomes captured by these aliens. Um, but he sort of is along for the ride as they go to other planets, and he ends up on a uh, another planet called Nishta, where the bulk of the story takes place. You have, uh, again, a, a very extensive, uh, complex storyline to uh, develop in a 600-and-some-page novel. Just how long did it take you to outline the general story and to get it into print? Well, it took me about a year to write it, and it took me another year to essentially edit it. Uh, and then I spent another year trying to get it um, or develop some interest with um, traditional publishers. And I guess not being a known name, you're kind of on a, on a long shot trying to get that uh, that aspect uh, in, into play. But uh, so overall, it was three years. But in, in reality, it was about two years of work on it. And and do you work off of an outline? Some writers just sit down and inspiration hits them, and they just begin writing and don't stop until they're completed or till they're finished. And uh, sometimes the story comes together in logic. Other times it's a little bit disjointed, and they have to fix it. How how did your book come together? Um, it would probably be more like the uh, description where I just sat down and started writing it. Um, I just, one day this whole scenario just sort of popped into my head, so I sat down and started writing it. And it, it, it actually came together pretty well, um, uh, story storyline-wise and plot-wise. Um, my biggest issue is that I really don't know how to type, so <laughs> I typed all 650 pages basically uh, by the hunt and peck method. Oh my goodness, that's a challenge in itself. As uh, is it, this is it, your, it was this yeah. is your this is your first novel, correct? That's correct. Yes. And in the sci-fi, it, it did. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, it did, it did turn out quite a bit longer than um, than I anticipated, um, uh, but uh, I was trying to, basically, I had to carry the story through to conclusion, and uh, all that was in it uh, pretty much had to get down on paper, at least uh, by my judgment, so uh, it, it, it did turn out longer, but uh, it, uh, I believe the story, it, 
I, you know, it's, of course, I'm um, biased on it. I believe that it's uh, it's well written and there's uh, it, it drags very little, even though there's a lot of technology explanation in it. And uh, I, I think uh, from one end to the other, it'll keep uh, anybody's uh, uh, attention and, uh, and and they'll enjoy it. So, that one question I was going to ask you about technology. You you mentioned that uh, that was an important aspect of your jumping into the pool and uh, atta- attaching your skills and knowledge uh, to this sci-fi adventure. Uh, what yeah. is there in there that maybe is uh, non-mainstream that you think in the technology that you wanted to explore? Well, uh, so I do have a background in aircraft uh, maintenance, some engineering, and uh, I was an Air Force uh, instructor pilot and an airline captain, so I, I have the aviation aspect of it. Uh, I did quite a lot of research uh, on uh, light speed travel, um, some new technologies that are coming out, um, or at least theoretical ones that are uh, being explored by NASA. So um, I put a lot of that uh, into the um, novel, and I've done a lot of explanation on it. There's also a lot of, uh, uh, I would say, uh, espionage-type stuff that um, is – that the protagonist or the main character and his cohorts uh, have to uh, deal with. And so I, uh, I delved into that quite a bit also, um, probably a little bit more than the average um, mystery or um, suspense novel would, would do. Are there several highs and lows in the, in the, in the book, in the novel, uh, as far as action and, uh, and so on, that will keep the, the reader guessing, I guess, for the plot twists? Yeah, I hadn't thought really about how to explain that. Um, yeah, there's a continuous amount of action uh, in the book. Um, there's there's quite a few um, fight scenes. Uh, one of my hobbies is Krav Maga martial arts, uh, so I incorporated that into the novel. There's a lot of uh, there's some jungle warfare scenes. Um, he's chased by um, provosts who are basically hired guns uh, that are trying to kill him. Um, so he basically turns uh, their technology against them. Um, because they essentially think they're just going after your average um, prison escapee, and they are really actually dealing with Jack Spartan, who's a lot more talented than than the average uh, the average guy out there. Your reader, if you were to envision them, is this a uh, an all purpose readership that you would envision, uh, or, or is it going to really be primarily guys that want to read this because of the action and so on, or or would uh, would a, a female reader also enjoy the context? I think so. Um, uh, there, there's a great romance within the book, uh, the novel also, um, which a lot of uh, women are interested in. Um, I would say my general audience are going to be technology-related people, um, probably more men than women. Um, but there are a lot of women out there these days that are into uh, science fiction uh, scenarios also. And I would say that um, you would have to like science fiction to begin with. Um, but there's a lot of other aspects involved with it also. Um, there's a lot of interpersonal relationships. Uh, like I said, there's a, there's a love interest scenario. And um, there's also a great um, deal of justice-based scenarios, I guess. There's, gotcha. a, there's a, lot of, a lot of give and take as far as, um, you know, um, good versus evil. And uh, there's, um, there's a lot of different aspects that I try to incorporate in it. 
did you leave the storyline open far enough that uh, there could be a follow-up book to this, or was that even in the, you know, even in the concept of of writing this? Um, it's it's very much open for a uh, a sequel. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I'd say it's a hundred percent open for a sequel because I did leave some things unfinished that that must be dealt with. Um, there, this is actually kind of a setup for the remainder of the plot of this story. And um, I'm actually working on the um, sequel at this time, and I'm, I'll probably have that done in another six to eight months. Uh, have you taken up typing as a hobby? No, I'm sorry. That was a bad question. <laughs> <laughs> you have, I should. <laughs> you should take up typing. Uh, there is, uh, you know, a, a great deal of effort and work goes into this, and, and I'm sure satisfaction on completing any project. I'm a creative to some degree, but not certainly not to the uh, com- committed way you are. Uh, is this similar to other books in the marketplace? Uh, there's uh, writers out there who, who do the science fiction thing. Anybody that you'd like to be compared to or think, boy, it'd be nice to be in that same category? Well, there's a lot of great science fiction writers out there. Um, I, I certainly think that some of the um, better ones were the earlier ones, uh, such as Asimov. And uh, I, I can't, I've got a list of them, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. That's okay. Um there is, uh, I think this is a rather unique plot. I mean, I've read many, many science fiction novels. Uh, I've tried to read some recently, but they seemed a lot like the same old rehash thing mm. that I've read before, plot-wise. Um, and uh, I think this is a new story or plot that's never been done before. I've just never seen or heard anything like this. There may be something out there like that, but... Uh, I, I'm not familiar with it, so I think uh, as far as is a new um, uh, a new plot line, a new storyline, or something like that, it's it's going to be certainly different than anybody else has read before, as as well as the technology that's incorporated in it, so that it's a little more in depth than your average sci-fi novel. As a novelist, and although you may not have started out to write a story with a moral or with an underpinning of uh, good versus evil and all of the other things that come to mind, did something pop to the surface that you maybe hadn't anticipated? Um, maybe not. Well, there's there's a hidden agenda that I've got for this that's going to come out in the next novel. And this is kind of a get the readers interested in my character and and my style with the technology and everything like that. Um, but basically, the main uh, character is a very upstanding guy. Um, he's um, very true to his friends. Um, and essentially, as long as you're a good friend of his and you're not trying to mess with him, you're in good standing. But uh, like a lot of, I mean, I, I had to stick with some traditional um, scenarios and plot uh, plot lines in that, um, this this guy, uh, Jack Spart, he's an all-around good guy, hero kind of person. He's very yes. uh, upstanding, he's very honest, and that carries through the whole book in a in a basically a galaxy that's similar to our world, where there's really not a lot of honesty and uh, integrity that's going on out there. But there's a few people that shine through that that uh, basically maintain that integrity. And you've uh, imbued that characteristic with uh, in Jack Spartan. It sounds like it sounds like he's the everyman hero for for this novel. At least uh, he he has the right stuff. So that's a good way to that's, describe yeah. it. I would say 
That's yeah, that's correct. That that'd be a good analysis. Fabulous. The title of the book again is Jack Spartan, Varachi Runner. That's V A R A C I Varachi Runner. And my author who has joined me from Colorado is K initial Edward Mallory, M A L L O R Y. Ed, where can we get copies of this? I know that uh, we're, we've hopefully teased uh, enough about the storyline that people will want a copy of it. Okay. Um, well, I, I wasn't sure where they were going to be marketed initially other than through the publisher. Um, but now that I've done some research on it and uh, I, I Google it, it's showing up on uh, Amazon, uh, Walmart, and uh, several other outlets I've even found them uh, in the U.K. and uh, Australia, so I guess they're available out there in uh, various locations uh, and through various distributors. Fabulous. Have you set up a web page yet, or is that in the future? Um, there is one set up uh, through the publisher, Ex, Ex Libris, um, and it, it's somewhat of a minimalist uh, scenario at this point, but uh, there, there is some information available on the novel there. Very good. They can do a search under your name, initial K, Edward Mallory, and find out about this novel and also the novel that's soon to be released as soon as you get done hunting and pecking for the uh, for the words and the and the numbers and all that on your typewriter. Uh, typewriter. See how that that aged me right there. Uh, yeah, but but are you using? I was going to say yeah, but go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Go ahead. I, I was uh, stepping on myself. Go I, ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I, I understood that perfectly because I'm from the same, <laughs> same vintage. Well, fabulous. Uh, best of luck with this, uh, Ed, and I uh, hope to hear from you in the future. And best of luck with this, with it being distributed worldwide. Uh, I think you should have some action. And maybe, uh, just maybe, because I know a lot of sci-fi writers and novelists hope that some producer will see the storyline and just want to run with it. So best of luck and hope to hear from you in the future again. Thank you very much, Dan, and I certainly hope that pans out sometime uh, in the future. Yes. Thank you very, thank you very much. Uh, for Ex Libras okay. on Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libras returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. Back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Tips and Tales from the Trails. And joining me from Wisconsin, <laughs> there it is, my yeah. author who has joined me and who is an avid horsewoman or horse person, I don't know if you, how you yes. even pronounce that correctly, is Vicki Evenson. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. The book is 180 or so pages in length. What was the purpose in writing this? I know you've been an avid uh, writer for a number of years and even did a, a lot of uh, trail riding 
you had a promise that you made to your parents. Uh, how did that factor into the book? Well, it was one of those things that it started out kind of as a half-hearted thing that uh, our parents were in their 80s and, and 80 and 90, and uh, we felt that we had been writing about half of the states at that time, and we said, you know, we're going to finish this up, and it was kind of one of those things kind of as a, maybe even as a motivation for them to keep trying and going and all of that sort of thing as well. And we always had great fun sharing our stories when we came back. And one of the things that my sister and I found as we did this, we learned a lot. We learned from other people that we met bits and pieces, and it just seemed real appropriate to put it in book form and share it with some others who might be starting out on such an adventure. Well, it's a, a fascinating adventure. I'm living in Texas, so trail riding is something at least I am peripherally uh, familiar with. Sure. You, what, what is the length of, of ride typically for an average uh, trail ride? Okay, uh, we average anywhere from 50 to 100 miles in a week, usually more toward the 80 to 100 miles. Mm. Um, a week-long ride is five days, usually Monday through Friday, and um, there's two types of rides. One is the wagon wheel ride where you park in one spot or camp in one spot, and you take rides out from there for each day and come back to the same spot. And the other is a progressive ride where you have a driver and you take off on your horse and you uh, ride out and the driver drives off with your rig and gear and you meet at the end of the day and so we've done both of those types of rides. And do you camp on the trail as well? I mean is that something that's uh, mandatory or do you uh, run to the closest hotel and uh, (laughs) hope that it's nice and warm and you have good shower and uh, cleanup arrangements? (laughs) Well, there's a couple of things. One is we have horse trailers that have showers and potties and everything in them. So we have a nice uh, camper-type arrangement for the evening. That's most of the time. However, we we have done backpack trips where you are pack trips where you pack in your gear, your food for the week and whatnot. Um, I think the longest one I've done is eight days and gone over the uh, to the Bob Marshall Wilderness in Montana. And you sleep in sleeping bags and small little pup tents and hope the bears don't get you. <laughs> wow. Well, you have made the promise of uh, riding in 50 states. Uh, that was a, f- a fairly monumental promise, or was it just a, a hopeful promise, or, or did you really mean it when you said it? Well, it, it was hopeful in the beginning. And the more we did, reached out and we started planning, when we went to our organized rides with the Appaloosa Club, because we ride Appaloosas, we would ride different states along the way as we strike out to go to Idaho or Montana, wherever. And then I did some traveling to Hawaii and Alaska and got those two states notched off. And I thought, you know, I think we can do this thing. So we mm. just kind of kept going. And then we learned to lump together states that were in an area like Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi sort of thing. And when we went east, we did Vermont and Maryland and all of the little Maine and all of those uh, little states out there. But that took about a month each time we did those types of trails. So, you you know, you or even longer than that. It, it takes quite a while to cover the distance and, and get out there and ride. Well, it's an incredible amount of planning or pre-planning. I would, if it was me, and of course, I uh, am maybe not as ambitious or as much in love with being outdoors as you must be. (laughs) Uh, I would probably go to the corner of a state and just uh, do a 10-mile circle and uh, cover three or four (laughs) states at once. I don't think that's how you did it, though, is it? 
Not really. However, there were a couple of states like Delaware, for instance, that would jump to my mind. Uh, we went to Lum's Pond there, and there's an eight-mile loop around the pond, and that's really about all there is to ride there. We There are other smaller states that we just spent a day or two in, but generally we would ride for several days in each state. How did you do Hawaii? Because that uh, does uh, present a curious uh, uh, side trip. Did you take your horses to Hawaii, or did you rent something no. there? No. Those two states we we rented, or I mm. rented it. Um, I happened to go with another sister there. The the one that does all my planning, we kind of work uh, in tandem. T- uh, did most of the states together, but I went on a cruise to Hawaii and Alaska. And uh, while we were there, we rented horses and took a day ride out. That was great fun because of the the scenery. Of course, is so different. But for instance, in Alaska, we found out or learned about the uh, Klondike Gold Rush and how the horses were sacrificed when they couldn't go any further up that those mountains and uh, lost their lives and there's lots of bones and stuff left on the horses up there, so it was a real learning experience as well to even go through some of these states and find some of the history and stuff in the different parks and whatnot that we rode in. Phenomenal. You have uh, headed your chapters by topics that would naturally come to mind as a non-rider. Being off the road, overnighting, house selection, uh, horse selection, uh, safety issues would be a big factor from my, I'm a little bit of a, a, not a worrier, but a person who uh, thinks about what are the dangers involved what is the key there what what do you uh, what do you feel is maybe one of the greatest um, safety issue when it comes to riding is it the horses yeah. on a main highway or how would you describe uh, those issues no we we pretty much stayed off main highways we rode mountains and stuff the safety issues because one of the things we saw when we were on these rides we saw folks from all over America come to them and we've met some wonderful folks but some people don't come prepared or don't know what they're in for and so that the preparation is a huge thing just being comfortable on the horse that you choose making sure your health horse is healthy we saw wrecks where uh, people were severely injured Uh, one time I was going up a mountain and it was in Pennsylvania and a, we came onto a tree that was across the trail, and we had to go up a very severe uphill, about 12 feet, and over the log, of the, you know, the trunk mm. of the tree, and then slide back down into this ditch. And this horse um, of this other woman's, I went up and over and was everything was fine, and then this woman tried it, and her horse came over backwards on Ouch. top of her, and she ended up breaking her back. She did not get paralyzed, however, she just broke some vertebrae. But we sat there for two and a half hours, and, and I'm a retired nurse, so, you know, guess who gets called upon to go, mm. go and take care of the injured? Mm. And um, this was just one of those things that the horse just really was not, um, I, I don't want to say trained, but really was not prepared to do such a thing. And uh, she got a little nervous about it. The whole thing was just a, an, an unfortunate event. That's that's pretty frightening. My grandson did a trip to the Grand Canyon and took you know pack mules or horses down into the bottom of the the Grand Canyon. Yes. I was not comfortable with him making that trip because he was a college student and a little bit oh. um, adventuresome. I think is the word. <laughs> he's he's done some things that make me really uncomfortable. And uh, yes. fortunately, he came back and is is fine. But you mentioned other things that would be of concern for me. I uh, 
I'm not allergic to insects, but I don't like them much. Insects and critters yep. and, and also wild animals. Do those become a major challenge on the trailer, or is there ways to, that uh, you have discovered that can put them at bay? Right. Um, that's part of the whole, I, in, in the book that I mentioned as well, for instance, people who are allergic to bee stings, and we yes. see bees a lot, particularly in the fall riding, you have to know how to administer your own EpiPen and do that correctly. Uh, snake bite, what do you do if you get a snake bite, either you or your horse? We've seen both of those happen. Uh, bears, that's one of the things, if you're riding in the Yellowstone area or uh, Montana, you're going to be in grizzly area. And so you have to be prepared to to deal with the bears as well. You some people wear bells on their uh, stirrups and stuff so that it makes a noise and chases the bears away. Wow! And uh, just being able to avoid those uh, types of confrontations is very important. You've included uh, photos in your book as well uh, that I am assuming cover most of your life experience as a horse. Uh, specialist. Uh, what's the word I should yeah. use? Should I use, should I use horsewoman, horse person? Horsewoman is great. <laughs> horse, yes, oh, I think thank you. It. I didn't I'm, want to be politically I'm, incorrect. Yes, <laughs> horsewoman. You you have uh, included a lot of uh, conversational and uh, interesting tales in your book. What is the one story that you've shared that you you think would grab anybody's attention, whether they're interested in in uh, doing trail rides or or otherwise? Oh, let me see the one experience. I think just being open to learning about the history of the United States, learning about different folks' lifestyles. There, you had mentioned the pictures in the book. Yes. There's a picture of me from 60 years ago. I hate to tell you that long ago, but mm. um, as a child, I got interested in horseback riding, and there's a picture of me in my first pony, and I think from each of the states. Uh, the one thing, too, that we found is the people that you meet from all over the United States, it was just tremendous to uh, get to know so many folks and um, hear about them. One of the folks that I talked to was an ex-school um, superintendent from Lebanon, Missouri, and I called him, and he said, you know, he was on a trail ride one time, was going on a very severe downhill, and he was kind of hesitant about doing it, and one of the other older seasoned gentlemen said, well, only, you know, dogs walk and, and men ride. So he rode this horse down the hill because he knew that he, was, he didn't want to be embarrassed, I guess, in front mm-hmm. of his friends. But you have to be comfortable doing that, and you have to trust in that horse that it's going to get you down off those rocks and off the narrow ledges and stuff that you might be riding on. And uh, so he felt pretty good that he was able to ride his horse down and not get off and walk down. What, one of the key ingredients, I'm guessing, for an inexperienced rider is to have a good guide and have a, a horse that could be depended upon. Is that correct? That is absolutely true. You can try and follow maps and all sorts of things that you might uh, come up with from National Geographic and whatnot, but the maps are, or the trails are not always kept up. Um, you have to have a horse that's tough and can get through some of those areas. Uh, a lot of horses have a natural GPS, and they'll bring you back home if you get lost. That was one of the things that we found out. Uh, the other thing is knowing how far out you are and what direction you've gone in. If you can follow the directions of things, it really is helpful. Otherwise, you get all twisted around, and you don't know where you're headed. So if you're alone and you're not on a guided ride, make sure you can use a compass, follow a map, follow markings up on top of the hills. You look for, you know, you marks that you're going to head for or head back to. 
um, and know how far out you are. That's good advice. You you completed the 50 states within a 14-year period, is that correct? And if so, how long did it yes. take to complete the, the book itself? Oh, the book it took me about a year to write. Uh, and while I was doing the 50 states, I also did uh, 50 Appaloosa Horse Club trail Ooh. rides. My and goodness. that qualified me to get into the their trail rider hall of fame horse yeah so um that was just done last year i finally got that all accomplished and that was part of the thing that kind of kept me going that i knew i had to uh to finish that up and do you raise About, Ap- do you raise appaloosas or horses for uh, for other people uh, is that something that you also have be- become involved in or is it just uh, for your own pleasure no, we I raise Appaloosas and have for 30 years or better. And we also board horses on our farm here in Wisconsin. So we have different breeds on our farm, but we have about 20 horses right now. We've had as many as 72, but uh, right now we have about 15, I think, on the property. Well, it's beautiful. This is a beautiful book, easy to read. It has some adventure along with uh, true stories and uh, some good advice all thrown in, not say thrown in, but all yep. all outlined all in 180 together. pages. That's right. Uh, yeah. Anything yeah. that you would uh, describe or, or want to share with a listener that we've missed so far? Well, one of the things that before I started this little odyssey 14 years ago, I had a pretty serious accident myself. I had a stallion come over backwards and, and fall on me hmm. and broke my pelvis. And I was told by my orthopedic surgeon at that time that maybe I should take up knitting or something, you know, because, um, I, you know, maybe this really was too much for a little old lady such as myself. But um, I really was serious about rehabbing and conditioning myself and kind of got back to it. And um I encourage people to not give up on life, to go out there and just set their goals and do it. You've done it with this book. Is there another one in the works, do you think? (laughs) I don't know right now. I don't have any plans for one right now. I guess I'll have to give that some thought and perhaps uh, get back to it some other time. But right now, I think I'm just going to take on some other adventures and maybe collect some information first. All right, very good. Well, thank you for sharing your story. The title of the book, again, is Tips in Tales from the Trails. My author, Vicki Evenson. Uh, Vicki, where do we find copies of your book? You can go on Amazon.com. You can simply Google it, Vicki, uh, Tips and Tales from the Trails, and it will come up, and you can order it that way, or you can go to the publisher, Ex Libris. And uh, do you have a fan page set up yet, or is that something that's uh, designed for the future, perhaps? I guess that's designed for the future at this point. We're collecting uh, feedback on Amazon, uh, so if if anyone has any, if they do read the book and they want to go back in and give a commentary on it, I'd appreciate that sort of feedback as well. Absolutely fabulous. And Vicki is spelled V-I-C-K-I. Evenson is E-V-E-N-S-O-N, so they can do a search under your name, go to their local bookseller if they can't find it on Amazon or choose to buy from a local reseller. That's the way to get a hold of this book, which is uh, released by Ex Libris. Thank you for joining me today, Vicki, and sharing your story. All right. Thank you very much. My pleasure for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker.